Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 585 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains. And I am fired up because we made it to the range in our draft rankings where the Senators have their first pick. We're doing number 8 and 7 today. And Pilsy, one of these players just screams, future Ottawa Senator. Absolutely. And the Senators could use a shootout specialist on their team in the NHL. And they have one as an RFA. Will they give Adam Gaudet a second crack at the best opportunity of his career? Very interesting discussion because they've now re-signed Dylan Gambrell. How many depth forwards do you need? We'll have that conversation. Plus, the Stanley Cup final shifted locations and the home team remain victorious. All that and more coming up. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast. Your team, every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen. On this Tuesday, June 21st, we are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube, where the best way you can help the show grow is to subscribe to the Locked On Senators channel, like the videos by clicking the thumbs up and leaving a comment below. The comment we want to know today is Adam Gaudet, kind of the forgotten RFA. We know Victor Mete is not likely going to be given a qualifying offer. But for Adam Gaudet, he would need a one-year, $1 million qualifying offer. It'd actually be a two-way contract based on the number of games he played last year. Is that something you are offering number 17 to come back? Well, Ross, we've gone over Pierre Dorian's um, checklist, and I'll be honest, it's pretty far down on that checklist, probably right at the bottom, maybe even an honorable mention on the checklist doesn't even crack the, the official list. But look, he was useful at times. There was times where he showed brilliance in short, short spurts, and you could tell the offensive touches there. It's just when he's not on offense not a whole lot going on and when when it's not a shootout opportunity there's also not a lot going on live look at pierre dorian's off-season yes. checklist the ever-growing checklist that is if you're watching on youtube i will give you a verbal meme it's a dude looking at a list that looks uh, about that is a longer, long scroll longer than our lineup pillsy on, yes. on our google doc but we'll get to what we have on our google doc which is a lot of draft coverage later on. But when it comes to Adam Gaudet, obviously he had that moment. You mentioned it earlier on this season against Vancouver. The revenge games we love oh so much. They're even more delicious on the road. And Vancouver gets a ton of Sens fans out for their annual visit. That's a stop we got to make on the circuit one of these days, Pilsy. But what's lost in that moment is he played one shift in the second half of the game. So as much as it's like, oh, wow, he won the game, great. And he does have that offensive instinct that not a whole lot of guys beyond the top-end players on the team have. He does bring that element. DJ Smith obviously has has a, a voice when it comes to player personnel. 
I don't think he's going to be banging the table to get Adam Goddett back in this lineup. No, Adam Goddett, remember when he first came to Ottawa? That was the quickest, like, wow, this guy's awesome. He scored, didn't he score in his first shift? Yeah. And then, what's his first game? And then he was the main cause of two goals shortly after. So after scoring a goal, he's now a dash one. And he was in the doghouse immediately after that. And I think first impressions are important. And I think that was DJ Smith's first impression of him. And uh, that kind of set the table for how that relationship was going to go throughout the season. Yeah, he scored a goal. And guess what, Pilsy? His first game as a senator was also against Vancouver. It was December 1st, the birthing of the postcast era, the 6-2 loss to Vancouver. But he scored a power play goal 11 minutes into the game and then was still a dash two all in eight minutes of work. (laughs) And then two games later... The game we love to reference, the comeback in Edmonton that got Biz on the show. That game, he had a goal and an assist. So immediately you're like, okay, we're getting the entire Adam Goddard experience. But as we know, what's fun for fans keeps coaches up at night. So DJ Smith, I bet you if you gave him the option, same salary, same everything, he would have taken Dylan Gambrell. Hell, for all I know, he's the one who negotiated the contract with Dylan Gambrell instead of Pierre Dorian, who is doing God knows what right now. But I think if, if I'm GM, this is something where I qualify him, knowing that if he clears waivers, he would still need waivers, he is on a two-way deal, so he's not making that much money down in Belleville. Of course, is that where he'd like to be? Probably not. But again, that's what waivers is there for. If another team wants him, they do. If not, I mean, if he wants to play, he wants to play. So... I think there's a very little risk when it comes to that. Have him come to camp, but if he's holding out from his qualifying offer, one year, one million, two-way, I just let that drag into the end time in the summer. And if he doesn't sign, all right, don't show up to camp then. No worse for wear. But I think that it's not bad if he comes back. I don't think that – I know we'll see some people with the pitchforks out. They're taking spots from the young players, Pilsy. They don't have room in the cap for a $1 million two-way contract. But in all seriousness, this is a guy who could very well be a final cut in training camp. And you just say, okay, thanks for coming out. You got your one-year deal. You know, he just celebrated his anniversary the other day. He's got a little kid on the way. His wife posted. She's pregnant. So obviously we want what's best for him in his life. But for the Ottawa Senators, what's best for them as a team? I don't know if Adam Goddett figures into even the short-term plan. But if they brought him back, I would just kind of say, okay, cool, we'll see in camp. See if you can be the Adam Goddett that lit up our show in the postcast after that game in Vancouver, or the one where you're like, where is he in the defensive zone? Or the one where, Ross, as we were chatting, I looked through his game logs. 32 straight games without a goal to finish the season. (laughs) 32. Two. And he played 50 games with the Senators. Like, it is it is wild to think. Like, just the game locks, it's just riddled with zeros. It's it's crazy for an offensive guy that... Um, I mean, averaging 11 minutes a game. But, hey, he, he came in hot. He did the old Bobby Ryan. In yeah. his first nine games with Ottawa, he had seven points. Yeah, I remember. We, we were fairly interested. Like, he was keeping our attention, that's for sure. But then... He just wasn't getting the opportunities. He spent a lot of time on the bench. And uh, I think, yeah, I, I think you qualify him, let that sit, see how it goes. And honestly, Adam Gaudet would be, it, it, we were talking about this before the show, Ross. He's only played 16 games in the AHL his entire career. 
I think he could probably benefit from a little time in the AHL to work on other parts of his game other than the offense. Now, is it a little late for starting development on uh, on an Adam Gaudet that is, how old is he, 25 years old? Yeah, definitely. But when you get him at this cost and you're not invested in his development or too concerned about it, that's fine. And because he would be the perfect top line AHL guy, you no? Know? Like he like that's that's the guy you want playing on lines with some of your other prospects because he can help out there. And I think at the AHL level, maybe you could start working on his uh, defensive role. But very, uh, he's a guy that doesn't really move the needle very much one way or another uh, in terms of a franchise overview. But I think the question here is: Would you rather have Adam Gaudet or Tyler Ennis? Because I think they play a similar role. Two different types of guys, but they're fighting for the same roster spot, essentially, and they're going to have similar contracts. So I think that's where the Sens need to make a decision. And if that's where the decision is lying, I bring back Tyler Ennis over Adam Goddett for sure. Yeah, now the only downside to that is Adam Goddett was healthy at the end of the year. Tyler Ennis, not only did he miss the last, what, 30 games, 20 games? It felt like a lot. lot. Well, he was in the game in Winnipeg. He had a sick play. To set up. So that was March 24th. Um, so it had to be late late March, early April. That he, so he missed like the last month of the season. That to say, not only are we comparing two guys, yeah, similar styles, but Tyler Ennis is going to be 33 years old, Pilsy. So that's where there is a little bit of that. But at the same time, young core, obviously a well-liked guy, great personality, passes the vibe test, immaculate mic'd up uh, Easton Synergy. All yep. that great stuff, getting Best calibrated, up. getting calibrated. That's fantastic content there. So from that perspective, you got to go with the best ever lace them up, Tyler Ennis. So um, yeah, if, if it's a one for one, they're both making the same. You know what? Ennis would probably make even less because I believe he was making 800, uh, maybe 900 off of PTO coming into camp last season so yeah i take tyler ennis before i'm not even going to put that up as a poll on twitter but what i did ask i said would you give him a qualifying offer one year one million two way and right now we're already at 30 votes we put it up one minute ago and uh 55 say nah let him walk and i think it's going to be pretty split down the middle 50 50 yeah and i mean that's fair because Part of me wants to let him walk just so he can explore other opportunities rather than be kind of a fringe extra forward in Ottawa with a coach that doesn't really like him. That's not exactly a uh, best opportunity of his career anymore. So yeah, from that sense, it's fair. But to have an extra guy that's got a good chunk of NHL games and can have some offensive flair just hanging out in your franchise on a two-way deal... It's not the worst thing for the sense. No, it's not. And that two-way aspect of his qualifying offer, and this is according to Cap Friendly, uh, based on the parameters here, I would like to see him in Belleville. I don't know if that's the best move for his his life, but uh, at that point, you're an, a fringe NHLer at best, and maybe that's where he ends up. So let us know in the comments. Is he a guy you'd give his qualifying offer to? There's no negotiation happening. You're not going higher than what you'd have to. Yeah, the arbitration, probably not going to go in Gaudet's favor on that No, no. Maybe you could have done a bit more on the defensive side just to like get more ice time, and then you could show more skill offensively. But he gave us that moment, Pilsy. He gave us that moment. And do I have it already pulled up? Because that that guy in the crowd looking (laughs) first row 
Like that guy was absolutely all time. Oh, I don't have it pulled up right here. We're going to make it the thumbnail. So go check us out on Twitter at Send Central and you'll see the, the most electric photo, top 10 photo of the season for the Ottawa Senators there in Vancouver. All right. So, yes, let us know in the comments. As I mentioned, Pilsy, we got to get into these draft profiles in a big way. We've got two unbelievably talented players in completely different aspects of the game. One plays a lot more like Frank Nazar, and the other one plays the Ottawa Senators brand of hockey. Before we get to that, let's power up so we can get cut for the next segment. Ooh, a little tease there. And yes, the best way to power up, guys, is a protein bar that tastes good. And that is Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. There's so many different amazing flavors to choose from. Head to their website today, Built.com. I'm on it right now. Check out some of these flavors and tell me this doesn't sound delicious. Caramel brownie, brownie batter, churro, coconut marshmallow, cookies and cream, double chocolate, mint brownie. You might be sitting there being like, okay, these are all candy bars. That's not going to have any health benefits. Wrong. They're high in protein, high in fiber, while also being low in calories and low in sugar. What Built Bar does the best is they make their bars taste good, and then they say, how can we make this healthy? And the perfect example of that is their Built Puffs. It's a marshmallow chocolate bar, so already you're like, okay, that's going to be loaded in sugar and calories. Nope. It's a protein-infused marshmallow. So you get your protein there while it still tastes great. Go to Built.com and get the mix box if you haven't tried any of them because you're going to love all these flavors. And just because you're a loyal listener, we're going to hook you guys up with the promo code to save a couple shekels. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. One more time, guys. It's go to Built.com, promo code LOCK15, 15% off your next order. It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. All right, Pilsy, before we get to our draft rankings, a little update now. It's 60% saying yes, and a lot of people referencing already that the two-way aspect of Adam Gaudet's potential contract is a selling feature because he would be a very good AHL player. I don't think there's any doubt in, in that. It's crazy that he's only played so few games at that level. That to say... The Stanley Cup Finals ongoing. Let's have a quick word of that. Our boy Nick Paul does it all. Sends abroad. Unbelievable gutsy effort from him last night. You know that he's going through something. Goes out there, scores a goal, and then goes and heads back to the locker room. Obviously came back, finished the game. But an unbelievably gutsy effort from Nick Paul. Yeah, Ross, when he scored that goal, I was like, who is that guy on Tampa? Like, he kind of looks like Nick Paul. But Nick Paul's out of this game. Like, he was hurt so bad and he went to the locker room. What? Nick Paul truly does it all, and I think uh, they're feeling pretty good about that acquisition as he scored some big goals in this playoff run for the Lightning. What do you think his contract looks like? Just out of curiosity, because we're talking about Adam Goddess contract, like, does Nick Paul automatically this quickly jump into Zach Hyman territory? Like, does no, the team, no, does a team no. get that excited? Maybe not in the length of contract, but like this guy, Blake Coleman, I think would be on the low end now. No. Of contract-wise or, like, player comparable? No, like, Blake Coleman won a cup with, uh, won two cups with uh, Tampa and then signed his contract, and he signed, uh, you know what? I don't think he'll get no. Blake Coleman money. No, that's true. I, I thought Blake Coleman, I think I was thinking of Barkley Goodrow. Yes. Barkley Goodrow was, like, 3.6, right? I'm looking at it right now. So, Barkley uh, Goodrow got a five-year, or no, six-year, because one of those is is up, uh, six-year deal at 3.64. Okay, 
Right. That's who I said, like, is he getting a bit more than that? Because he's not getting – Blake Coleman's making 4.9. That, yeah, not, no. That's too much. That's not time and money. I don't think Nick Paul gets more than $4 million, but I think he probably goes the Goodrow route and uh, gets a longer deal. And, yeah, I – I would say anywhere between three and and uh, four million would make sense for Nick Paul, especially if you can add that Stanley Cup ring to uh, to his hand and he can uh, wear that during uh, contract negotiations. <laughs> that adds a little uh, flair to the the whole argument. So, hey, I hope Nick Paul gets all the money available. Like we're cheering for this guy; he's a great guy. We would love to keep him in Ottawa, but it just it didn't work out, and he bet on himself, and I respect that, and he's and it's not- going to pay off. Not only that, but it's paying off to the Royal Ottawa. He's still doing the points by Paul campaign. So mental health in Ottawa, the initiative there at the Royal, obviously started by Daniel Alfredson, future Hall of Famer Daniel Alfredson, who really was uh, the sounding board before it was cool to talk about mental illness. But Nick Paul does it all, including helping Ottawa charities even in Tampa. Points by Paul, and he certainly got one last night in Tampa's 6-2 victory. Pilsy, this is living up to the hype of the Stanley Cup final. This has been a tremendously fast-paced, mean. We had some fights at the end of the last game. Good like, tilts, too. This is, this is living up to all that and more. My only question is, how did Nick Paul, and yes, Matthew Joseph, great piece, but with a fourth-round pick, how did Brandon Hagel get two firsts? This guy, he's like the worst player on the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think it's because Hagel had two years left on his deal at only like 1.5, right? So that's Tampa yeah. being like, it's worth the um, the cap crunch to, to like our draft picks. Who cares about those? Yeah. We need to well, save money on the cap. Every time they're in the offensive zone and he gets the puck down low, he loses control of it and they go the other way. Like Nick Paul is just so much stronger on his skates. And anyways, yeah, you're right. Less salary makes sense. I'm not here to pile on Brandon Hagel, even though there's a 0.0% chance that he or anybody who cares about him is going to listen to this. That to say, it's been a fantastic Stanley Cup final. Yeah, I can't believe we went from a 7-0 game to the other team winning 6-2 in back-to-back. Like, it's it's crazy that, that this shift has happened. And look out for Tampa. My futures are looking nice now. Oh, my God. You've got nice. more future than there, than Tampa's played games in this, uh, in this Stanley <laughs> Cup playoffs. Unbelievable. All right, we've teased it enough. We got to get to our draft rankings. Oh my God. The talent on the board today. And remember that you can go to our YouTube channel, Locked On Senators, and find all of our draft profiles broken up individually so that it's easy for you to find out which guy you want to get profiled. If one catches your attention, 64 of these are going to be available to you on demand, quick and easy to find on our YouTube channel. Coming in. At number eight on our Locked On Senators draft rankings, we're going to the U.S. National Team Development Program. No, not for the final time. You thought I was going to say for the final time because it's been every other day, but we've got more coming soon. But this is the power forward of this year at the U.S. program. Standing six foot three, 200 pounds, it's winger or center, as he'd tell you, Cutter Gauthier. This guy just screams Ottawa Senators draft pick. I mean, let's um, let's quickly go through the Ottawa Senators checklist here. He's big. Yes, check. U.S. program. Yep, they love that. Dad played pro. Hey, it was only one NHL game, but that still counts. We're putting it on the list. And he's going. For us, he's, his dad's a goalie. So it's, yes. that's our list. 
Goalie friendly show, absolutely. And he's going to Boston College. The sends the road to Ottawa leads through Boston. It seems <laughs> like, eh? Um, but yeah, the, when when you're talking about Cutter Gauthier, you gotta look at the size. He's a power forward that uses his size to his advantage and combine that size with a heavy, accurate shot, and you've got the combination that makes for a lethal forward. No question about it. In 54 games with the U.S. under-18s, he had 34 goals, 31 assists for 65 points, 49 penalty minutes, and the draft rankings, he is a late riser in this draft. And you see, Bob McKenzie is the one guy who hasn't updated his list since Christmas. He's making us wait, having his margaritas. He's hanging out, but everyone else is updated to their final list. And we have three who are as high as six, so he wouldn't even be available to the Ottawa Senators. Corey Pronman, Chris Peters, and Craig Button all have him at sixth on their list. Elite Prospects is at 11, Bob McKenzie at 13, Tony Ferrari at 17, and Scott Wheeler at 18. And you know what I love about this? There's three that are lower, there's three that are higher, and Elite Prospects at 11? Well, guess what? All seven combined are 11 on the dot. So that's actually tied with Frank Nazar. It's our first tie where two guys have the exact same average ranking. We just did it alphabetically. G becomes before N. And I think you could flip-flop these guys all you want. But the re- another reason why I decided this was the best way to do it, Pilsy, is when we're looking at it through the lens of an NHL scout, I'm going to guarantee it. Cutter Gauthier goes before Frank Nazar in this draft. Yeah, that's probably fair. and But... I wouldn't say it's so emphatically because it's probably within a pick. You know what I mean? Like, guarantee. Yeah, if the Sens <laughs> take uh, Cutter Gauthier, then Detroit's taking Frank Nazar. Like, you think it, so? It, yeah, I, I really think so. So mock draft coming soon. Yes, yes. Keep keep uh, eyes and ears out for that. Um, back to Cutter Gauthier. I mean, this, this kid just gets me so excited, Ross. And you you talk about. Um, the EP draft guide, they got him as the second best power forward, only Slavkovsky better. That's that's a great place to be. Uh, fourth best shot, fifth best motor. So all those things contribute to what the Sens are looking for, right? Like they love their power forward. They need someone with a good shot. And they love guys that can play with pace and have uh, have strong motor. And I already mentioned he's strong on the puck. He uses his frame to protect the puck. I love watching him drive the lane and attack the net with purpose. Like, he's not just like, oh, I'm trying to get the inside lane here. He's like, no, I'm taking the inside lane. I'm not trying to do anything. Like, this space is going to be mine. And if you're in my space, I will push you out of my space. And I will get that for myself or make room for my teammates. And and that's the kind of thing I think uh, the Senators are looking for. And I think they were hoping that Tyler Boucher would have more shades of Cutter Gauthier in in my mind. That's kind of seems what's happening here. So it it would be it would be interesting to see the Sens pick similar players with their top pick back to back years. But that's their philosophy, and those are the principles that they've decided they value the most. And you got to go for it. And if you value those things, Cutter Gauthier is your guy. Now Tyler Boucher was a late riser, obviously, but this would not be the same type of reach. If, no. if he goes seventh overall, nobody's going to put him, at, or the Sens is the losers of the first round. This guy is a legitimate talent. And there's something to be said for power forward to excel playing with great players because you have to stay on the same page as them. You have to be able to sense offensively where they're going to go. 
And a lot of this past season, he spent on the wing with Logan Cooley. And those two had great chemistry. But at the U.S. program, they like to shuffle up the lines quite a bit. And then we're going to get into this a lot more with Corey Prodman and with Chris Peters, those episodes coming soon here at Locked On Senators. Now, he had to move to center in the middle of the season because Charlie Stramel got hurt. And what does he do? He figures out that, okay, now I got to be a little more responsible on the defensive side of the puck, facilitate a bit more offensively. I can't just be straight lines up and down the wing, go to the front of the net, cause havoc. I need to add a little more element to his game. And he did that. And I think that impressed scouts. That clearly convinced himself that he can play center. He expects to play center at Boston College. And I think that pushes his stock even higher because who doesn't want that big, burly centerman who can power their way to the front of the net, but also defend against the McDavid's, the McKinnon's of the world. And not saying that you throw him in that situation right now, but you hope that with the long reach, with the physicality in a playoff series, four, five, six years down the road, that's the type of player. Let's say Quentin Byfield, for an example, because they're younger age. Like You you throw up a cutter Gauthier against Byfield, now Byfield's not going to be able to power you down low and lean on you. This is going to be like a, a mano-a-mano battle here. So I think that he is the perfect building block for any organization. And if he's on the board for the Ottawa Senators at seven, I would, one, be shocked, and two, be disappointed if they did not select cutter Gauthier. Yeah, agreed. And all those things you mentioned make me very nervous that the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to select him because yep. he is exactly what they need. Like they don't have He's a lot Pierre of Luke Dubois 2.0. Like, I see a lot of Dubois in his game. Yep, that's definitely fair. And they don't have those guys right now. Like they've got the skilled, um, talented guys like Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger, but they don't have that upfront size and like like I was going to say, uh, like, like punch you right in the face type hockey. Like, they don't have that mean physicality to their team right now. And I think Gauthier would definitely help them out there. And listen, like, the thing I love about him, too, is you mentioned all the things he does well defensively. He doesn't shy away from scrums or loose puck battles. He's and When you see him throw big hits, that gets me excited, too. He can throw open ice hits, which is great. He kills penalties. He blocks shots. Like, he's so versatile. That's what's going to make him valuable. And I really love his confidence, Ross. Like, this is a confident kid. And uh, our friend, Russ Russ Cohen, with Locked On Flyers and also with EP, he did an article on him. And this kid is a quote machine. Like, I could just imagine Russ, like, sitting there, like, recording it, being like, oh, yeah, this is good. I'm using this. (laughs) I'm using this. There's a few uh, of those guys. Like, his teammate, Rucker McGrory, we heard, is a great quote. Connor Geeky, too. Like, I think the Sens, those are three guys they're going to be super interested in here if cutters off the board than the other two. But yeah, that article is fantastic. Definitely recommended reading. Yeah. Let let me toss out a couple quotes here. So uh, he talked about going to BC Boston college. Isn't having a good year. I plan on changing that. Love (laughs) that. And then Russ asked him like a U.S. program, a lot of good players. Like who's got the best shot? Me. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing that obviously his teammates are going to hear that. And he's like, yeah, they would probably say the same thing. Like I'm not nervous about that. Okay. That's sweet. Uh, But He's also like a humble hockey team guy. The quote uh, that I liked here is, I do whatever the coach needs me to do. I do whatever I can do to help the team. And that's apparent uh, from going from playing the wing with Logan Cooley, like in your draft year, you can't, there's no better opportunity than that, right? But he says, 
Sure. I'll go down and play center, a, a position I haven't played much and I'm not no longer playing with the top three pick and I'll figure it out and I'll do what I can to help this team. And that's what he does. So the value he's going to provide to an NHL team being a power forward with a shot that can play on your power play, your penalty kill, he defends well, he hits well, like run it down the list here. There are so many things that Cutter Gauthier does so well here that it's incredible. There's- there's three things, though, that Adam Nightingale, the head coach for Team USA, that they really wanted to hammer home for Cutter Gauthier. This is a direct quote right from the EP draft guide from Adam Nightingale. We gave Cutter three things to work on to be a power forward. Ask yourself this every game. Am I moving my feet? Am I playing physical? And am I getting to the inside? Narrow the focus to those three things. And when you watch him now, I think he nails all three. So we know he has great vision. We know he's a decent enough skater to play the middle of the ice if that's where he wants to go, but he just needs to focus on those three things and he'll be all good. Now, the scouting report for EP kind of echoes what I said there about there's something to be said to be a complimentary player for a complete talent, and that's the type of guy I think Cutter's going to be. He's going to be, and I hate to say the word passenger because they're going to do their own work in terms of the grunt work on the line, but he's a complimentary piece in a top six. I don't think you build – you know how we talk about duos all the time, how you want to have two guys on a line? I think he's the third guy on a line. Like, for example, the second line, Stutzla-Batherson, that's a great duo. They work off each other well. They create offense uh, with speed with each other. You throw Cutter Goatee on the left. Like, he, he's a poor man's Brady Kachuk in a sense too. Like, he's big, he's physical, but he can move his feet at the same time. And maybe Brady has improved on that because you know he's a little Bambi-ish in, yeah. in his in his earlier years. But I'm I'm extremely high on Cutter Gauthier. I love what he brings. The shades of for an EP draft guide has him as like a Max Pacioretty, Tomash Hurdle type player. Now I think Hurdle would be the absolute ceiling for him. I don't think he's got the dynamic ability that yeah. Tomash Hurdle has any given night. I don't think you're going to see Cutter Gauthier go between the legs on a breakaway and in end Marty Giron's career yeah. <laughs> in his rookie year. Wasn't that for his fourth goal? It was. Yeah, yeah was okay. So, so I'm not sure if, if you're going to expect Tomash Hurdle production. I actually think I prefer Corey Promen's player comparable, JT Miller. Yeah, okay. It's just like an offensive catalyst. Who's going to produce points? And yeah, JT Miller's exploded in that category this past year, but just a hell of a player here in uh, in Cutter Gote. Pilsy, I think you might be on the same page as me. Five stars for Cutter Gote. Five star guy for Cutter Gote. You too? Five stars. This is my first five star player, Ross. I would even go as far to say five and a half stars. <laughs> like I'll, I'll push it past the metrics of what we thought was possible because. Not only do we love this player, Ross, but like I said off the top of the profile, he just checks all the boxes for what the Ottawa Senators like and are looking for in prospects. Like if if he's available and they don't pick him, I will be so shocked. Okay, so here shocked. let's let's play a little little game then. And nope. and I don't think this is likely. If Cutter Gauthier is on the board okay. and one of David Yurichek or Simon Nemich is on the board as well. Then what's your call? The two right-hand defensemen, obviously, any organization can use that position. And they're both head and shoulders above anyone else their position. Or do you still go cut or go to 
No, I, I take one of the defensemen just because acquiring a right hand defenseman that could be a generational talent and you get him uh, on an entry gen- level deal. And I mean, okay, pair. generational talent is, is too far, uh, too far. Definitely. We just watched Kale McCarr last night. That's <laughs> yeah. a generational talent. Yes, exactly. I will. I will dial that back for sure. But the, <laughs> you you don't come across those guys unless you draft them or trade a boatload of assets to get them. Whereas even the bad ones get traded for a lot. Like Seth Jones got what two first round picks and a prospect. Look at is Ristolainen in the right shot? Yeah, he is. Look at that. That's exactly, that's exactly what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> so um, you need to get those guys through the draft. Whereas uh, Gauthier, you, you just hope that uh, Tyler Boucher becomes. Something like him, right? Should we finish off with that quote from David St. Louis? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, this is interesting. I sent this to Ross uh, earlier today. And David St. Louis, we just had a chat with him. Uh, look out for his interview later. Great analysis. He does the Let's yeah. Watch EP He's videos awesome. on YouTube. Love those. But his quote was, when I watch Cutter Gauthier play, I sometimes think of Tyler Boucher. Will a team step up to select him just as high because of the pro build, the physicality, and the flashes of skill? Maybe. Yeah, that's Ottawa Senators music. Like, ding, 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 ding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that. You just cue the music and t- make the selection right there because that is exactly what's going to happen. So, But I, I wouldn't have a problem with that because, like we said, this wouldn't be the same type of reach as Tyler Boucher was. And uh, I, I think he's a great player. And I want to touch on quickly the – the term complimentary player, because I feel like that has a negative connotation to it. It kind of implies that like, you're not able to, to do things on your own and et cetera, which, which is partly what it's trying to say. But if you can put him up on a line with guys like Tim Stutzler and Drake Batherson, all you need is a complimentary player for those guys. Right. And he would fit in perfectly. And it's about finding those spots where he would work and, I, I I like f- five and a half stars. Yeah, let's let's go. Let's get this done. If he's available, take him. I look forward to you having one of those two defensemen as six star guys coming <laughs> up on our list as we get even further in. He's a January 14, 2004 birthday. Grew up in Detroit, but Pilsy, he spent his earliest. He was born in Skelleftea in Sweden, but on Hockey DB, he's seen as being from Scottsdale, Arizona. I don't know if the Sens saw. The Austin Matthews situation, Toronto, and like, no, we're going to have the most players from Scottsdale because you got Brady Kachuk, you've got Tyler Boucher, you've Nasty. got Mark Kastelik, and now could they add again in Cutter Gauthier? Whichever team gets him is going to get a player that their fans are going to love and opponents' fans are going to hate for years to come. All right, Pilsy, coming in at number seven. Number seven, where the Senators are currently slated to select in the 2022 NHL Draft. We are going to the exact opposite type of player of Cutter Gauthier. This guy is finesse. He's skill. He plays in my backyard. A good Winnipeg boy. He's from Alberta, but, you know, he plies his trade here. It's Matthew Savoy. This guy is a human highlight reel, I think, would be a great way to describe his attributes. Yeah, I would agree. There's so many tools and skills offensively that he has at his disposal, and at the WHL level, he he shows that quite often. And he was one of the top point producers in the in, entire league. And you got to see a bunch of his play. And anytime you can get 90 points in a season, he had 65 games, 35 goals, 55 points, good for 90 points total. You're doing something right. Yeah, that's actually the most points by a draft-eligible player this year. And yeah, you oh, can wow. say, 
I don't think Slavkovsky ever had a chance because he's playing against men in uh, in Liga. Like, what would he have done in the WHL? But that's still it's still a fact. He produced more points this year than any other draft eligible player. And uh, you know what is is Jordan Dumay could be proving me wrong right now because I know the overager out there in Halifax had. But yeah, sorry, I lied. But the, does the Q count for that? We know the Q is just all Easy. offense all the time. No. Well, 109 points in 68 games is going to be a fifth-round pick. Like that's what, <laughs> that's what I'm saying, Pills. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. All, all I'll say then about Matthew Savoy is that he's brilliant. 35 goals. Yep. He can score. And a lot of people were, were chirping him or, or underselling him. And those who have him a little bit lower will say this about him. A lot of production on the power play. However, why is that bad? Like, yeah, I get you want players that can produce at even strength as well, but at the same time, man, like... I'm not going to knock a guy for cashing in. Exactly, exactly. And he's just dynamic. His skating is his number one attribute. I could talk about that and watch him skate all day. Like, he's one of those guys who does, like, the 10 and 2s where he'll open his his, uh, edges out a little bit and doesn't lose any speed when he does it. If anything, he gains speed, and he's gained a lot of traction. Like, Bob McKenzie and Scott Wheeler have him at fourth on their rankings tony ferrari has him at six elite prospects has him at nine chris peters at 10 and craig button all the way down at 12 now if i'm craig button the reasoning i would say likely is because how many five foot nine centermen are there in the national hockey league he obviously played that position quite a bit in winnipeg i won't say all the time because there were times this year where he and connor geeky were on the same line and geeky the big natural center played that position, and Savoy would move over and play right wing. He's 179 pounds. He was also the first overall pick in the 2019 WHL draft. Pilsy, Connor Geeky went second. That's a way to build your franchise, get the top two picks in the draft. Yeah, that, what a way to welcome a new franchise to Winnipeg moving no from doubt. Kootenai. That is uh, definitely a good sign there. And the, the thing with Savoy is, sure, he's probably going to be a winger in the NHL, but that's fine. Like, d- that's like it just adds a little thing in his back pocket like yeah I'll probably play wing but I know how to play the center position if I need to in a pinch or if there's situations where it makes sense and his ability what I like a lot about him is the deception that he's able to do like when I was watching his highlights he does such a good job of drawing opponents in luring them in like closer closer and then when his opponent is like okay I'm gonna block off this lane I'm right in front of him this is the lane I'm gonna choose to block off Uh, Savoy says, okay, I'm going to lead him to that lane. And now I've just opened up all this space over here. Or the opposite. I'm going to lean him to the outside, make him think I'm going there, and then I'll pass it to the inside. Like he's just, he's able to get defenders to do his bidding. Like he gets them to do what he wants them to do. And then he creates space for himself and for his teammates in that direction. And I love his one-timer. He does that one-timer, Ross, where he drops down to one knee as he's shooting and uh, he's able to get a lot of power and a, and a good release well, off He doesn't that. have that far to go. Yeah, true. Yeah, to get down there uh, is not that far for him. But like his shot, his skating, his passing, he's able to get into those good shooting spots. So teammates are going to find him in spots where he can score high danger scoring opportunities. And there's just so much that he can do with his combination of offensive skills that I don't think it's that crazy for guys like Scott Wheeler to have him uh, fourth overall because if he can maintain all those skills and maybe get a little bit of size and figure out how to play uh, properly on the wing at the pro level, 
there's a lot to like here. And EP, their uh, shades of player was Matt Duchesne. Whoa. I like that a lot. Like, sure, Matt Duchesne had probably the the greatest time in Ottawa that meant the the least meaningless point, like point per game pace, essentially. But he was still electric when he was here. And the things he was able to pull off are incredible. And I can see Matthew Savoy being able to do similar things. EP also gave him the fifth best vision. And Pilsy, you missed the other shades of a name that Sens fans have been drooling over for months. Kevin Fiala ah, is yes. their other shades of. So you look at the type of player that Kevin Fiala is, although both Duchesne and Fiala are left shots, and Matthew Savoy is a right shot. He's also a New Year's Day baby, born January 1st, 2004. So he's on the older end of the players in this draft. An Eastern Conference scout this May said he can fly and he's got great hands. I think averages hockey sense might hold him back from becoming a can't-miss top-line player, but he's got as much talent as any prospect I've seen this season. So that to say there are some question marks when it comes to his game. He's not overly physical, but there is also good news. He took a ridiculously big hit in game two of the uh, Eastern Conference Final in the WHL. Like, bone shatter. I had boots on the ground for that game. So did Pierre Dorian. And what he saw there was a player. He got up. He went to the bench. Didn't, didn't lay there, but... He avoided surgery, so that's great news. No shoulder surgery, but he did miss the rest of that series. Ultimately, Edmonton went on to move on. Now they're in the Memorial Cup, which we'll touch on at the end of the show because Philip Dow, we still have a sense prospect to keep tabs on. But Pilsy, I love this player. I think he's going to do well at the NHL level. I just don't see him as a Senators type pick. Yeah, because you start looking at the checklist we talked about with um, with Cutter you know Gauthier, what? right? It, it's so interesting, and I'll, I want you to finish that thought. But I just it's hard because we obviously have that thought in our head. But this is the same team, and maybe it's more of a drafting thing. The scouts want the checklist we go over. This is still the team that traded for Vitalia Bramov and, and traded for Eric Branstrom. Like they do have. The, like some some smaller, more dynamic players in their arsenal when they are making player acquisitions. Yeah, no, that, and that's fair. But I think when you're looking at a top 10 Senators selection, the scouts probably get a little bit more leverage there and they're going yeah. with their principles and the things they like, right? And it, here's the thing with um, with Savoy is I just think there's so much upside here. Um, he wouldn't be my top choice at number seven overall. But if the Sens decided... Those are areas of need. Like they, they've got some some power forward type players. They've got some physical guys that can shoot and play with pace and um, have dads in the NHL. So they've they've filled that criteria. So if they say, hey, we went with Tyler the Tyler Boucher type route last draft. Let's go a completely different opposite way here. I, I, they could sell me on that for sure. Like I would have no issue if Savoy was the player they selected because. That just brings a whole different dynamic to this franchise's pipeline. And if he's not ready right away and he needs a little more time, that's okay. And I could see him playing a, a, a role with uh, the Ottawa Senators as that second line forward with Stutzla and Batherson, if need be. Yeah, it'll take a little while for him to get there, though. And if you want to see something funny, look at his his minor hockey league career. Yeah, oh 97 points in 30 games. Then he doubles that down with 71 and 31, 52 and 22. Then it took him a while to adjust, fair to say, to the WHL. He was playing as a six as a 15-year-old, 22 games, seven assists. That to say, then there was the COVID 
season where he just ended up staying in the in the USHL. Yeah. He just was Which like, okay. Which is a great move for him. Yeah, over a point per game yeah. there. Tough playoffs, though. Two games, no points, 15 penalty minutes. I guess a little frustration got the better of him there. Then he comes back to Winnipeg, 90 points. Like, I don't think it can be understated. And then when the pressure gets higher, and yeah, they had a wagon top to bottom, but still 12 points in 10 games plus 13 and only two penalty minutes in the postseason this year. Like, you're, you're just getting a dynamic offensive player when, you, when you're talking about bringing in a guy like Matthew Savoy. And I think... He's going to be on the board for Ottawa, which will make this interesting. But I also could see the Philadelphia Flyers taking him. Now, is he a torts type player? Probably not. No. But I think he could do well learning from Cam Atkinson, a guy like that. And we know Russ Cohen's super high on him. Mock draft coming up. No spoilers. But don't be surprised if he's off the board in the top five there. This is going to be an interesting player where he lands in the draft. You saw the range, like 4-12. to 12. And yeah, it might not be as large as the ranges we saw later on but in terms of value per pick you're looking at a guy who that's a pretty wide range itself four to twelve yeah absolutely and ross maybe i'm completely wrong in this but i kind of get vibes of like marco rossi with savoy right because remember rossi less less power yeah i I don't mean so much as in their playing style but their their draft consensus like there was guys that were like take marco rossi in the top three wheeler had him third that's what I'm saying. Like there was guys that were like, no, he need he has so much talent, he needs to go early in the draft. But it wouldn't surprise them if in the real actual draft he ends up falling, and, and that's what happened. So I kind of get similar vibes from Savoy here and uh, where he may end up. Yeah, and they both lit up their respective leads. I think Rossi had 123 points or something with the 67. Yeah. So interesting, uh, comparable there. Now let me ask you this before we give our stars. If Matthew Savoy and Frank Nazar, two of the more undersized centers that could be wingers, are available, which way would you prefer the Senators lean? Ah, that's tough because I love Nazar, but Savoy has so much upside. I I think the Sens would pick Nazar, but I think I would rather them go for Savoy because there's just so so much... um, there's so much potential. Like I would love that home run swing type of pick because if he can well, put it all together and get a little more size, man, I think Savoy could be real good. Well, Pilsy, highest ceiling in the draft, according to EP, is Frank Nazar. So no, that's that's fair. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. I, I lean Nazar, but I think that they're both similar players in the style that they play. So it'll be very interesting to see. Maybe if one's off the board, then the other team's like, okay, these are the two guys that our type of team wants to draft. So now let's let's jump ahead and let's get uh, let's get the other one in the mix. And I think to a lesser extent, Slavkovsky and Gauthier, you could say the same, but we're pretty confident Slavkovsky's going one or two in this draft. So I'm really intrigued to see this between Nazar and Savoy, who falls yeah. and who gets snatched a little bit quicker in this draft. But Matthew Savoy comes in at number seven, right where the Senators are set to select. How many stars do you have for Matthew Savoy? I got him at four stars uh, just because I think, like we mentioned, there's a lot of things that the Sens don't usually go for in a player like Savoy, so I think they might not select him. But I got no problems if that ends up being the pick, and uh, I'll I'll get behind that for sure. I'm doing 3.5 because I had four for Frank Nazar, and I just told you I liked him a bit better than Savoy, so I'm going three and a half stars for Matthew Savoy. All right, Pilsy, quickly before we get out of here, the Memorial Cup started last night. Always a fantastic event. St. John doing an awesome job hosting. The crowd was electric last night. They get a 5-3 win over the Hamilton 
Bulldogs and Philip Dau hadn't played this whole St. John team hadn't played in like two a months. long time. They were eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. So that's yeah. going to, it's rest versus rust. Right. But at the same time, they've been practicing for two months, like a, a dog in a cage. He's just ready to go out. Sea dog in a cage. Yeah. Better than a bulldog in a cage. Cause they're Ooh. so lazy. They just come out and flop over and not to say that's what the Hamilton Bulldogs are. They obviously have tons of talent, Mason McTavish and all that, but man, they came out flying, and Philip Dao had three assists. Game's first star. That's how you start out the tournament for Dao. Probably the only player in this game, maybe even the Memorial Cup. No, that's a lie. Mason McTavish. Yes. I was going to say that to play pro, but McTavish got his nine games with Anaheim. So he went head-to-head with the other guy who's played pro, and Dao comes out on top. Love a first-star performance to kick off the Mem Cup. Absolutely, yeah. And Pierre Dorian loves winners, so hopefully uh, Philip Dao can make it all the way and uh, raise that Memorial Cup at home. And I think the home home ice advantage in the Mem Cup is a big deal. Like, oh I yeah, think that's a people big are traveling boost. in from everywhere too. Yeah, it's a cool atmosphere. We we should circle that when a sense prospect gets in the mix, like a, a top guy. We should, <laughs> okay, sorry, I was going to say Philip Dahu. <laughs> yeah. Next time, it's on the list, Pills. You put it on the oh, list. Absolutely, yes. But yeah, we're going to be following that throughout the weekend. It's always a fantastic tournament. We'll be back tomorrow with more for today we say goodbye reminder let us know in the comments what do you think of these two prospects matthew savoy and cutter gautier and should they offer adam Goddett an rfa qualifying offer let's get a quick update on on the poll here at send central and again there's still plenty of time to go have your say on twitter 68 percent say yes we're through okay. 350 votes right now we'll update that on tomorrow's show. For today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senate Podcast, your team every day.